And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I'm on this theme. I've been talking with you about the concept of othering. We had Frank Gaffney on the show last Thursday talking about the idea that the way the Biden administration is messaging America and what, in fact, the way the anti-American left has been messaging America for quite a while is intentionally designed to divide Americans, to make people feel as though some segment of society simply is the other, isn't part of America, shouldn't be treated respectfully, shouldn't be treated uh, as though they're really, as though they're human. And the speech that Joe Biden gave uh, two Fridays ago now in Philadelphia, Independence Hall, in which he ranted and raved, uh, really very much like a tyrant about MAGA Republicans, MAGA people, Trump people, it was a speech which really was the launching point for a great conversation with Frank Gaffney last week about this is textbook, what Hitler did to the Jews, what occurred in China uh, during the uh, Cultural Revolution, the intentional, not just parting people, some people off to the side, they're not part of this plan, they're not part of our country, they're to be other, we treat them as the other but it's actually intended to plant the seeds within the minds of millions of Americans that they're justified in anger, hatred, canceling, and and truly justified in mistreatment of these people who've been designated by uh, the ruler uh, as the other. So we actually had that come to fruition, sadly, and uh, almost immediately there was a murder and hasn't been charged as murder, but when I tell you the facts, you know, it's murder. There was in the state of North Dakota, there was a, a man arrested, Shannon Brandt, age 41, deliberately ran over and killed an 18-year-old young man named Kaler Ellingson and justified his act by using the same language that Biden used. He was talking about extremism, and he said... The reason he got angry is because they they had a political argument over whether the teen was part of a Republican extremist group. So it's a 41-year-old alleged adult who ran over and killed an 18-year-old after some discussion. It was actually an evening, um, out in the evening in North Dakota, there had been some, you know, kind of street dance fun going on. The North Dakota teen had been part of it. Uh, when this guy became very threatening toward him, he called his mother. He said, mom, do you know this guy? She said, yes, I do. I'll come get you right now. So she's, and he's, this killer is chasing this 18 year old, uh, managed to catch up with him and, and drive over him with his truck and kill him. And the reason I'm telling this story, I don't normally go into local crime issues, but this is a playing out of what Frank Gaffney was talking about and a playing out of what the anti-American left is doing to America. They're not any longer having discussions in the, you know, within the 40-yard lines about policy issues, tax rates, border security, immigration policy, all the things that used to be the normal fodder of politics. What the left is doing in this country and is in the voice and the effort of he who occupies the White House, Joe Biden, is to instill division and hatred and resentment within the American people to treat a certain class of people. And, you know, when you think about it, he's talking about all the people who like the MAGA agenda, which would be the majority of Americans who voted for Donald Trump in 2020. You're all basically not allowed, you're not to be treated as a normal person. You are as an other. And there's a similar point I want to make, and we'll come back to this later, because let me talk about economic policy later. 
But there was a great piece was, uh, that up, was up at Conservative Treehouse, and I linked to it in our website, americacanwetalk.org. But this piece was talking about the idea that we have slipped over the edge or have just become a country in which we are actually indulging, their term was, the great pretend. It's kind of like, it's a similar notion to what we talk about many times on the show uh, with George Orwell's 1984, which is the government looks you right in the face and tells you something that every sentient person understands is ridiculous, false, absurd, but because the government and people, in the, not just Joe Biden, but the entire Biden administration, many leftists uh, in Congress, and, and really leftist thought leaders around the country look you right in the face and tell you something completely absurd and, and, and disconnected from reality, but because they said it and they tell you it's true, and then the mainstream media echo chamber repeats it and repeats it and repeats it, we all indulge in this great pretend. One example of is the way that Biden is talking, as he did in Independence Hall about uh, his fellow Americans. The great pretend is, I'm not trying to create division here. I'm just, you know, I'm just talking about, you know, America. He is trying to divide America and he's deluding us into or trying to delude us into not recognizing it. But Joe Biden gave a speech this morning at the UN, same kind of thing. He is number one standing as a representative of the United States of America at the UN making a speech and he is castigating the country of Russia because it has pierced the Ukrainian border. And he's blathering on and on about the importance of borders and sovereignty, and we're gonna stand up for borders. And does anyone proofread his speeches? This is a man who's abandoned the Southern border, who will not enforce it, whose very uh, administration lies, pretends, gaslights, whatever term you want to use, when they're testifying in Congress. And even Kamala Harris said last week, oh yeah, the southern border is secure. These people are engaged in the slow-rolling Marxist takedown of America. One tool they use is to lie to you. And so they act as though it's the most outrageous thing in the world, justifying billions sent over to Ukraine because they need to secure their border, but we don't secure our southern border. And as many people have talked about in my show and others, it's not just poor impoverished people in Mexico, Central and South America coming across our border. It is all sorts of extremely dangerous people who do not have just the simple interest of wanting a better life. That we are letting terrorists in, we're letting cartel members, we're letting drug smugglers, we're letting Islamic terrorists pour across the border, and yet the great pretender stands up at the UN, talks about the importance of borders. I could give you more examples, but I want to wrap up the first five uh, just by saying it is incumbent on you and every American when you hear the left pushing these simply, these absurdities, just absurdities, to call them out, to point them out to your friends. I was trying to get ready for the show today. My one friend is listening to, um, one of my friends listening to Biden and texting, 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 everything he's saying. The guy is on a mission, his policies are on a mission to take down the America of the founding, the America of the ideas of the Declaration and the Constitution, and substitute it for what he loves, what the entire leftist cabal running this country love, which is something along the lines of the Great Reset, New World Order, Klaus Schwab, take down of America as unique and extraordinary sovereign nation, which it is. More on that later especially in what is happening economically at the hands of this attack on America. But for now, that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. 
So we have joining us today via Skype, we have two guests joining us. Um, and I, I mentioned from home, I've told you this is our first week from doing shows from home. So we're all, we're hoping we all get our connected and get to rock and roll with this. Uh, but there are two guests joining us to talk about a film uh, that is a documentary film, which is called Grid Down, Power Up, a documentary film that deals with the situation and the lack of security of America's electric grid. Now, at Texas, we have our own grid. We could do a lot about it. But nationally, we have a, a d very dangerous situation because our grid is not secure. So I want to take a moment to introduce both these gentlemen who are joining us. Uh, first, uh, the producer and director of this film is joining us, David Tice. Uh, and I just met him recently, uh, but he is a uh, he's founder of David W. Tyson Associates, an investment management firm, research firm. Uh, he has been active at least since 1996 in uh, helping in markets, explaining uh, investment um, concerns. Um, see, the fund has been structured with the flexibility to make short sales and be net short in the U.S. market, the Prudent Global Income Fund. I mean, it, he is a, uh, he's a very knowledgeable about how our markets work. He's a chartered financial analyst, so he's appeared on a nightly business report, Wall Street Journal report, Wall Street Week, O'Reilly Factor, and on America Can We Talk, and he is a producer and director of this film we're going to be talking about, Grid Down, Power Up. The second guest joining us uh, is Texas State Senator Bob Hall. He's been on the show numerous times. Uh, he is everybody's favorite conservative hero in the Texas legislature. We may have a Republican majority, uh, conservatives do, or Republicans do in the Texas House and Senate, but Senator Bob Hall has been among the most extraordinary leaders on the issues that lots of other Republicans don't want to work on because they're tough, because they have they involve uh, threats to some powers that be. And Senator Bob Hall has been dedicated since the time he arrived in the Texas State Senate, which I think was uh, was 2015, uh, to really getting onto the hard issues, including on securing the grid. So I'd like to welcome to the show Texas State Senator Bob Hall and David Tice. Hi, gentlemen. Glad to be with you, Debbie. Glad to be with you again, Debbie. Thank you for having us on. Hey, this is great. We have all three of us on. This is great. Okay. You know, it's it sounds amazing. Like, I mean, just because we're doing this from home, I'm so glad that's working. So I actually have a short, a, a very short clip I wanted to play for our listeners from this film. We'll be talking about Grid Down, Power Up. And by the way, friends, you can find this at griddownpowerup.com, griddownpowerup.com. You can watch a 12-minute teaser. Uh, I'm going to play an even shorter segment of that, or you can watch the whole film. But let's just quick start with that, uh, with it be a little segment I have. If we could, Emilio, play that clip, and then we'll turn and talk to Senator Hall and David Tice. I'm Dennis Quaid. I've been concerned about this glaring issue with our country's civilian infrastructure since I first learned about it 10 plus years ago. I'm pleased to take a role in this important project. This is a very serious situation, but it's eminently fixable. Ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seatbelts. But let me tell you, this movie can and will have a happy ending. You ever stop and realize how fragile all this is? Wouldn't take much well, to throw us right back into barbaric times. All you'd have to do would be eliminate electricity. New York, one of the biggest cities in the world, plunges into darkness in the blink of an eye. 
It's just after 4 p.m. on August 14, 2003, and an unthinkable disaster becomes reality. A cascade of power failures shuts down electricity in southeast Canada and across eight northeastern states. Cities like New York are brought to a complete standstill. Hundreds of people are trapped in subway tunnels, while the traffic above becomes a nightmare of gridlock. In all, 55 million people lost power for up to two days. The main culprit, a sagging high-voltage power line in northern Ohio that brushed up against an overgrown tree. Eliminate electricity, that's all, but, but completely. So, no electricity, no lights. You're back to candles and lanterns, campfires and bonfires. Batteries couldn't be recharged. Generators couldn't be refueled because fuel is pumped electrically. So is water, by the way. So no lights, no fuel, no water, no computers. And computers run everything. Police wouldn't help you. They'd be gone at the first sign of trouble. They'd be home protecting their own families. So would the Army and the National Guard. You'd be alone. You'd be on your own. You'd be SOL and JWF. You might think George Carlin was funny, but this is hardly a humorous subject. Just listen to esteemed U.S. Senator Angus King. There's a weird calmness about this hearing. This is not calm. The Russians are already in the grid. This is not a threat. This is happening. We are under attack. We are in a very dangerous place. I just think this has to be an emergency, an urgent situation. What would the catastrophic consequences be at a human level if you tried to live in a non-electricity world? Okay, so that is a clip, a short clip. And again, I urge everyone listening to go to the website for this film, griddownpowerup.com. You can watch a 12-minute clip, which I began showing you there. That I showed you about three minutes of it. Uh, there's also, you can see the whole film. So I'm going to turn. So first of all, gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Uh, I'm going to start with you, uh, David Tice. Uh, you are the director and producer. How did you get onto the issue of grid insecurity? Well, I've been concerned about this issue, geopolitics. I've been a bit of a China hawk, and I've studied Russian defectors going back some 20 years. And actually, there's been a movement of patriots talking about uh, securing the grid going back some 20 years. Uh, Senator Bob Hall was involved 50 years ago, actually from the military side, and then has been involved on the Senate side for nearly a decade. So. I'm just using the power of the medium of film to wake up the American public. Well, some of the film, the uh, little even segment that we played, and as you watch, I've seen a portion of Americans, life has been pretty darn comfortable, safe, reliable. You get up in the morning, your water's going to turn on, your power's going to come on, lights come on. We all go through, you know, a storm sometimes knocking out power for, uh, you know, a few hours or a day or something. But the law, the, the, the notion of long-term loss of power seems like something that cannot happen here. So Senator Bob Hall, actually, uh, David Tice made allusion to it a minute ago, but you've been aware of this issue for a long time. How did you get locked onto it? Well, I did, it, it wasn't my choice. I was in the Air Force at the time. I was a project uh, uh, officer on the Minuteman Intercontinental Ballistic Missile uh, Design and Development uh, System Program Office. 
uh, in the late 60s uh, when uh, we discovered the threat of an EMP to our Minuteman missile system. Uh, it, it threw us into such a kilter because it totally unbalanced MAD. Our missile system had designed, been designed to withstand a nuclear attack, but a ground attack. It was very hard physically, but we had, uh, were susceptible, we discovered, to the threat of an EMP because uh, we were ahead of the Russians. We had uh, uh, integrated circuits in our computer that, that uh, guided the missile and the Russians used vacuum tubes. So they were not would not be affected by EMP, but we would, which means they could use it as a weapon against us and we could not use it against them. And so my job uh, as a young captain was to lead a team, uh, design team, uh, through the, the process of making the missile hard. And so that was my introduction. It was the number one uh, program in the Defense Department because we were actually day-to-day -day living on the brink of possible war with the Russians in the Cold War. And with this threat, we would have come out on the short end. You know, uh, that I'm, it's amazing, actually, that you ended up being serving the Texas State Senate at a time this issue has really come to the fore again. Uh, for our listeners, I, we've mentioned on other shows, but Texas has its own grid, um, and the I guess the rest of America has another one, but our grid here, it seems like, I've made this point to you before, but it seems like if we have any vulnerability in the grid, we in Texas should be you know, most able to fix it. It's just Texas um, property, Texas land mostly. So we are, you know, should be able to secure it. And so I'm gonna actually go stick with you for Senator Hall for a moment. What, what is it gonna take to secure the Texas grid? What has to happen? Uh, it's going to take our legislators to recognize that the people want this to happen and the people are going to have to convince their legislators uh, and our governor that this needs to be happened. They're have, going to have a voice that overrides the very strong lobby from the power companies that is opposing to it. These are the folks that donate huge amounts of money to legislators and the governor. Uh, they're going to have to overcome their voice by letting them know that, that we need this to happen. It needs to happen now. And, and I think it's a better time because what we've learned that we didn't know before much more accurately is that this is not very expensive to do. We found that those companies that have stepped up and started to harden some of their facilities like Centerpoint Electric down in Houston did so at very reasonable prices, built a complete control center that was only about six to 12% uh, more expensive than a non-hardened facility and designed, have now designed and built a substation that is 75% cheaper than the standard non-hardened system. So there is no longer a cost uh, issue in this to stop us from doing it. And it's time that, uh, that the, the people just let their representative and senators know and the governor know that it is time to do this. So Senator Hall, there's no um, pragmatic difficulty, meaning it's not that we can't figure out how to protect the grid, harden the grid. It's purely motivating the right people to take the steps to do it. Is that correct? That's exactly what I say in the movie. The only stand thing that stands between us and getting it done is the will to do it. Okay. And so on the, when you talk about the power companies opposing it, or is it just a cost thing? Is it, I mean, what, what, why in the world? Because, you know, I always make this point about climate change. Everyone who's speaking up is going to live in the climate we're creating. And so it isn't like somebody has some, 
you know, special place to be safe from the climate damage. And same thing with the destruction or danger of the grid. Everyone living here, including these power company people, they're going to live in the danger created if we don't have, a, if we have a real collapse of the grid. So why don't they care? That's a, I tell you, my, my, my short answer to that is I believe most of our power companies are run by executives who are more concerned about their personal paychecks and their bonuses than they are about doing what is the right thing. So it's going to take pressure from the people to do this. And, and they've thrown up uh, smoke screens of uh, things like, well, if the power companies survive, nobody else is going to be able to survive and use it. Well, that's just simply not true because our bill we had addresses all of the parts, all of the critical infrastructure, what needs to be done to make sure that we have uh, sewer and water and communications and fire and police and things like that for a resilient community. Uh, we're addressing all of those issues and it's got to start somewhere. It doesn't make any sense for people to start having homes that are pardoned, waiting for the power company for them to harden. We need to have the power company lead the way because the development of the various techniques will be used will be scalable so that industry can use them, small businesses can use what comes out of what the power companies been doing and leading the way. Uh, and so you got to you can't start everywhere at the same time. And the place to start is with the power companies. You know, I will say on the subject of the power companies, it seems like once this kind of danger has been exposed. You've been working on it for years, David Tice. You've been working on it, trying to expose the issue. It seems in every other arena of life, if you are a, a manufacturer, you have a business, you're a corporation, and you produce something, and someone presents you with a very viable concern, a very legitimate concern that would change everything about the, the product or good you produce, that would make it dangerous, useless, or actually cause harm, you'd be jumping at the chance to try to fix it when a solution is proposed. So I'll go back to you, uh, David Tice. You live in the world of uh, high-end investors and people who think, you know, in terms of economics and investing and markets. Don't you, I mean, do you talk to people in the in your work or you, and, and who understand the issue and, or do you get any wisdom from these people you are connected with about why we can't move forward fixing the grid? Well, a lot of times people are still unaware, even some of the smarter finance minds. However, with this film, it is a way to wake people up. And with 56 minutes, even with 12 minutes, it can wake people up. So one of the, one of the other issues about the utilities is that uh, we have a complicated rate making mechanism. And therefore, uh, the utilities are being called on to continue to keep rates down, although you know, that's not a complete excuse because these utilities can get it reimbursed. But one of the solutions I'm proposing is that there's this crossways, your problem knows my problem between DHS and DOE. And I think what needs to happen is we need to understand we have a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that's already been passed. And really the ratepayer and the taxpayers are the same people, although obviously not in the same percentage. And therefore, I think a lot of us are feeling that let's go ahead and take the utilities off the hook and let's get uh, the government to pay for this. Okay, that actually raises an interesting thing because utilities are quasi-public. I mean, they're not like a private company that you know, make sneakers or something. They, they, it's a quasi-public thing. And I could imagine some of the utility companies saying, well, if the government will pay for it, sure, you know, we'll do it as long as it doesn't cost any, us anything. So back to you, Senator Hall, when people are trying to figure out what to do to, to solve all of this, is it 
you know, is it viable then? Would the, would the utility companies be more willing, as far as you can tell, uh, if you had public tax dollars paying for the whole upgrade and hardening? I I think it's uh, they absolutely absolutely would be more willing to do it. I think some of their opposition would go away, particularly if you offer them the you know basically an, an unlimited amount of money to do it. I have favored the rate adjustment simply because if it's done by the power companies, we will spend the the least amount of money to get the job done. If we get the government involved in providing the money or government doing it, it will cost the taxpayers more money in the end. Uh, and so I, that's why I've always favored the, the rate change. But under the circumstances we're in with that money that's been put out there for the infrastructure, if that's what it's going to take, I, it, this is the point, is uh, what, what is the price we put on, on the life that we know today that, we're, that we could lose? So if it ends up costing a little bit more money that way, then that's better than, than not doing it and stand and run the risk of actually losing what we currently have. You know, one thing uh, I don't actually, uh, the segment I played of the, the maybe four, three or four minutes I played of your film, um, I'm not sure to address these kind of numbers, but I've heard in the past, I believe you from you, Senator Hall, and from other speakers on this topic, the thought of losing power, having the grid go down, and meaning it's not just waiting for the power company to come and, you know, fix a couple of lines. It is a month to years process of, of regenerating it. The, the notion of the amount of, of loss of human life and human suffering is part of what I, I has to be front and center in the minds of legislators and the minds of the utility people to recognize how broad and how lengthy the damage would be. I mean, isn't it accurate that if you, I don't know what the number, at some point I remember hearing something like, you know, you can't eventually have trucks delivering food because they require gasoline to be pumped into their trucks and the gasoline pumps don't work because they require electricity. I mean, everything you think, well, this will be there, that'll be there, it'll be okay. Everything in modern life you rely on relies on electricity. So just in a quick way, if you could, Senator Hall, what is the downside of, of um, just let, leaving it? What's the downside of ignoring this? I mean, so we just, we run the risk of how bad could it be for America if we just do have the power grid go down? It, it is, it, it, it's hard to imagine it could be any worse because when you say there's going to be nothing electrical that runs, most people will not even be able to tell what time it is because we have watches, digital watches that are run, will, will not be working. There will be no electricity. Electricity uh, is the second most important thing to sustaining life. The only thing more important is, is air. And, and electricity is more important than water because most people will not even be able to get water without electricity. You won't have any pharmaceuticals, you won't have television, you won't have communications, trucks won't run, cars won't run. The millenniums will go nuts because they won't have an iPhone. <laughs> Neither will anybody else. Uh, nothing, nothing electrical will work. Imagine being put back in the 1800s. Uh, that's what you'd have. And, and nobody knows how to plant tomatoes and potatoes anymore. And nobody has any livestock in their backyard or water supply or medicals, me medications. Uh, White House study said that 11 months without electricity, 90% of the population of America would die. This is not like Uri, where, where the lights go out but the cars still run, the trucks still come, and you can still you still be, uh, get some services. There was there was there was services out there. It it wasn't. This goes way beyond that. 
You know, that 90% figure, I've heard that before. And I do, I actually think it's, in this case, a very good thing to jar and alarm people. Because I, as I say, I think many people have a thought of, well, you know, the experts will fix it. The energy companies will fix it. The utilities will take care of it somehow. But the notion that we don't have a simple fix if the grid actually goes down and we're reconstructing, essentially, and the, the widespread loss of life and, and just human comfort, human, basic human comfort, uh, it should be something that everyone jumps on. So first, I want Senator Hall, I want to thank you because I mentioned in introducing you, you are so brave and articulate and passionate and determined and relentless in taking on issues like this that matter, even the face of many other people want to say, well, you know, um, that's that's kind of out there. I want to talk about, you know, property tax. I mean, I'm in favor of property tax being a subject of, of legislation also. But these kind of issues are, are kind of life and death. And I find it astonishing that such a tiny portion of our elected officials in this country are willing to get in the fight and stay in it. So you go around, you talk about this issue. I know you've been hosting various events around the state, I think for a couple of years, uh, and roundtables explain to people what will happen. Um, and I love this. This film has given you a great ability to give a a visual to people. They can watch it in their own home. I urge everyone listening to watch that film in your own home, understand the problem, and understand there really are solutions available. So David Tice, I know people can watch this film on your website, uh, on the uh, grid, I was about to say it backwards, griddownpowerup.com, uh, but are you trying to get this film out there too in various ways? How are you trying to get the film out there, David? Okay, so we have already signed a deal with EarthX TV, where it's going to be played there as well. Uh, right now, we're following a build it and they will come kind of field of dream strategy. And frankly, I think if we get on enough social media and some of our outreaches and get mentioned by influencers, uh, we will be on some other channels down the road. We are uh, pursuing an interesting uh, plan, which is the pay it forward approach, where we're providing a movie for free, but we're asking for individuals to pay it forward and swipe their credit card if they'd like other people to be able to view it. And if, if you don't uh, make it available by paying, people are still going to be able to watch it for free for a while. But that's the approach we're utilizing for now. And so people can make a donation if they're at your website. Again, griddownpowerup.com. People can make a donation to support your effort to get the movie out. Exactly. Uh, the okay. other thing that we're doing that I want to mention is there's an outreach campaign. We actually have three outreach campaigns where you can just add your home address, a few clicks to your mouse, and you can have emails, petitions, phone calls sent to your two state legislators, your U.S. Congress person. Uh your two U.S. Senators, your Adjutant General for your National Guard, for your FEMA Emergency Director, your Board of Directors for your state's public utilities, your Chairman of your state's Utility Commission. All of that is on the website, grid yes. down? Okay, so you can go there and actually become an activist without even leaving your desk. You sure can. I that's love under that. The, that's under the Participate tab of the website, griddownpowerup.com. Okay, Senator Bob Hall, David Tice, uh, I feel like I could talk for about two more hours about this. I, if, if whatever people take away from it, I'd love to have them understand the basic points. The film is available. They can see it. They can share it. They can donate. This is an issue that is life or death if we don't fix it. 
is fixable, is not, we're not waiting to discover new technology, is fixable. And the one place you mentioned, Senator Hall, did harden their grid here, a small portion in Texas, uh, without catastrophic cost. I mean, this is like one of those, you keep waiting to hear the argument against it and there isn't one. So Senator Hall, David Tice, thank you so very much for joining me today. Thank you for having us, Debbie. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Great to see both of you. Okay, my friends, I really urge you to do that. Go to that website. Uh, I actually this morning was starting to watch, uh, I, you know, on show days, I try to read a lot of things and I realize I'm getting drawn in. It's very well done. It's very entertaining. So you can enjoy uh, watching it too, but you leave very well informed. Um, I called this little segment, the next segment on Visa and MasterCard aiding and abetting tyranny. I want you to just think about this. Do you remember in the show, uh, a week ago Thursday, Mark Morano, who is an advocate for, uh, related to climate change, prolific writer, brilliant guy, Mark Morano made mention of something on the show I hadn't heard before. If you didn't see that interview, go back to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and listen to Mark Morano. But here's a short story. So Mark Morano mentioned that the, the uh, giant credit card company MasterCard had locked arms and partnered with the World Health Organization, the UN, to issue a credit card where if you get that credit card, it keeps track of every purchase and of your carbon footprint. And then it can send you at some point it says, sorry, you can't buy that because you're exceeding your carbon footprint. Now, I don't know what kind of lunatic would want their credit card cut off, but this is MasterCard locking arms, not kidding, locking arms of the UN, or actually it's the World Health Organization, no, it's the UN telling them that telling people get this credit card this way, you can keep track of your carbon footprint, your CO2, and you know, you get a little notice saying, sorry, bub, you know, you really can't be buying this, shouldn't be buying this because you've exceeded your carbon footprint for the month or for the year. I mean, this is left-wing activism on, this, on the topic of climate change, left-wing activism locking arms with a private credit card company and MasterCard company, and this, this system I'm describing is now available if you choose it. You don't have to have this. It doesn't come as a feature on every MasterCard. But believe me, MasterCard is being pushed by leftists, by climate extremists, climate change alarmists, to do this kind of thing. And if this card is successful, if people do start, oh yeah, I'll take the climate change, you know, shut down my life credit card, please, I'll take one. If that happens enough, there will be an effort by MasterCard to push this on all of their cardholders. What needs to happen instead is people who use MasterCard need to be complaining to the MasterCard company. Stop doing this kind of thing. This is, by the way, one of the definitions of fascism. Fascism, when you lock arms, private entity locking arms with a private corporate entity locking arms with the government to suppress the rights of the people. And I will tell you, we, I don't want to go down the climate change issue today, except to say, if you did not hear the interview with Mark Morano on this show a couple of Thursdays ago, go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, and at that website, look at the interview with Mark Morano and listen to it. It was fact-filled. It was a fabulous interview. One little tidbit. It, as he and many other actually well-informed climatologists and climate experts and knowledgeable people are saying, there is no risk related to increased levels of CO2. We need to stop treating CO2 as a boogeyman, as a killer. One point he made, because he's sharing facts to help people process this, you know, overcoming this fear of CO2, 
is that in all of world history, they can dig down, and they do dig down, into the Arctic ice way deep to gather information about the levels of CO2 in the Earth's atmosphere, you know, way before people were around. I mean, going way, way, way back in time. And when they do that, they look at the information they come up with. In 90% of world history prior to today, 90% of the time before today, the CO2 levels on planet Earth were higher than they are now. In some cases, hundreds of times higher. CO2 is a naturally occurring element. It is a good element. It helps plants grow. It helps trees grow. That's why the rainforests are bursting back because of CO2 in the air. So Mark Morano interview, don't miss that. But back to this credit card thing, a, a similar thing is occurring with Visa. Visa announced recently, after basically pressure from the New York State governor and others, Visa agreed to change its coding system when people use their Visa charge card to buy a firearm. And so this will allow the states to monitor, the government to monitor who is purchasing firearms. So you have Visa after, in fact, Visa acknowledged intense pressure. Uh, they said, okay, okay, we'll change the coding to let um, so that the the uh, government can look at your visa charge card bill and find out if you purchase a firearm. And so this is, again, a form of fascism. This is the private company, Visa, locking arms with the pushy New York and other officials who want to control your every movement in life, locking arms, taking away your freedom, because you have to know if you are someone who purchases firearms, especially you're someone who likes has a lot of firearms, which is your right under the Second Amendment, you're going to get the attention of the government. A great thing did happen. There were state attorneys general, meaning uh, in the among the 50 United States, 24 people, 24 states, their attorney general signed on to a warning letter to Visa. And so, because Visa just announced this on September 10th, they announced they're going to go along with this pressure, mainly from New York State governor and others, to change their coding so everyone can figure out if you're buying, if they can figure if you're buying a firearm. So there's a great letter written. I put this letter up, at our, <clears throat> excuse me, up at our website. Excuse me. <clears throat> our website, americacanwetalk.org. And you can see the letter the attorneys general wrote. They closed the letter with a really good point. And you can read it at our website on our homepage, americacanwetalk.org. On the home homepage, you can look and uh, on um, uh, shows, drop down a list of links, and it shows you uh, this article. But the closing paragraph in this letter, two paragraphs, I'm not read the whole thing, but these attorneys general saying to Visa, knock it off on this keeping tabs on American citizens and their firearm purchases. Social policy should be debated and determined within our political institutions. Americans are tired of seeing corporate leverage used to advance political goals that cannot muster basic democratic support. That is no truer words were ever written. The Second Amendment is a fundamental right, but it's also a fundamental American value. Our financial institutions should stop lending their market power to those who wish to attack that value. So our uh, attorney general here in the great state of Texas, Ken Paxton, he signed on. But I did this little segment just to say, you know, I talk about the, uh, the parade ahead of us, this avalanche of loss of freedom in this country. It should not come from any assistance by the private corporations. 
it's bad enough that the government, we have people in power in Washington, we're gonna to turn to that next, people in power in Washington who simply live and breathe to find more and more ways to take away your freedom, to control more of your life. It is the agenda of the, it's not just Biden, it is the anti-American left. Biden isn't really running the country, in my opinion. It's being run by a cabal behind the scenes, which is basically Obama, Soros, Klaus Schwab, uh, Valerie Jarrett, all these leftists, Susan Rice, all these leftists who ran the country and are all of the same socialist, globalist mindset are really pulling all the strings in the Biden administration. And Joe Biden just goes out and says the words they tell him to say. That is my opinion. I don't think Joe Biden currently possesses the mental acuity to hold the job that he wasn't really elected to, but he was uh, inserted into the presidency. But the idea that private corporations in America participate in this taking away of our freedom is something citizens can do something about. We've mentioned before in the show how it is because of relentless, relentless, drumbeat level, relentless advocacy by leftists on all sorts of issues, leftist pressure and push at every conceivable level, their leftist anti-American agenda, their pro-socialist, pro-communist agenda, their anti-American freedom agenda, and they push it at every level from school districts to the uh, to school boards, to the content of academia, uh, the teachers who's hired, who works in, in uh, the universities in our country, the advocacy for left-wing anti-American history courses uh, and depiction of American history. The left pushes all the time. They push their agenda and too many Americans have until very recently kind of been asleep at the wheel, figuring America will always be free. Why, you know, we, we can just assume we'll be free because after all, we have a declaration of independence. We have a constitution. We have not been as alert as we needed to be to recognize how much of the anti-American left is at work 24 seven, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and has been for decades chipping away at the idea of American freedom. There needs to be a renewal, a just a, a, just a, a powerful renewal embrace among the American people of the idea of freedom and how important freedom is to our very DNA, our very existence. And, and we need to begin to recognize the ways in which freedom is being taken away. When you have private companies locking arms to push the climate agenda alarmism, the climate alarmism, or to push take away your guns or make you feel you're monitored by the government if you were to purchase a gun, this is private America that needs to butt out and stop aiding and abetting the left. But these corporations will continue to aid and abet the left as they do in all sorts of issues, including the LGBTQ agenda, including the climate alarmism agenda, all sorts of agendas being pushed by the left. Corporations bend that way, turn that way toward the left because, because they're constantly pummeled by the left and they don't hear enough from the conservatives. When I say conservatives, I don't, I, I don't mean what I mean by conservatives is just the main street, mainstream, apple pie, freedom-loving Americans, which constitute the, the vast majority of Americans. The vast majority of Americans want the freedoms spelled out in our Declaration and Constitution. They want all the freedoms in the Bill of Rights. They want the government to stop harping on and controlling their lives. But we've got to be active, not just in getting out and supporting one candidate, one elected official, go to one school board meeting. It is a 24-7 job in pushing back on the leftist 
onslaught and takedown of America, including putting counter pressure on corporations like Visa and MasterCard and tell them butt out of politics and just do a better job with your credit card. Okay, last topic I want to hit today um, is um, I, I called it uh, Biden cancels Christmas and other economic news. I want to, before I get to exactly why I'm calling that segment this, I want to mention that we have talked on the show many times about how the World Economic Forum, the Klaus Schwab people, the whole people who are pushing the Great Reset, the Great Reset is this idea, you know, espoused by Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum. And if you're one of the people still sitting there thinking, well, what do I care what they think? You know, they're, they don't run America. They're over there someplace in Europe. And, you know, I don't care what they think. Understand the World Economic Forum and all of these Bilderberg type globalist, wealthy ruling elite, they are already invading America. They are already pushing policies, pushing ideas, and they very much mean it when they said, for example, Klaus Schwab said by whatever year it was, 2030, you won't own anything. You won't own anything. You, and you'll be happy. That's what he's, that's the mindset. And the, the World Economic Forum types, the Klaus Schwab types, they use climate change as excuse to take away your freedom, as excuse to impose tyranny. Uh, they, they used COVID and they will again, the next virus or whatever else comes along. They use these things to justify taking away your freedom, which was always their goal to start with. And so turning back to the Great Reset, you know, when Biden came along um, and he had the build back better was his, you know, they always have some catchy phrase, build back better is just the Great Reset agenda in Biden speak. You know, it's the way Biden, build back better, yeah, because it sounded like, yeah, well, who could be against build back better? This is a Great Reset. This is a loss of American freedom. Part of what is occurring right in front of our faces is this build back better agenda and this march taking away America away from its foundational freedoms and moving us toward a government-controlled society is the intentional creation of economic chaos. Biden did not abandon the southern border by mistake. He abandoned the southern border of America in order to allow masses of people to enter America to create chaos, not only at the border, but chaos throughout our society. This is an intentional invasion and aided and implemented by the Biden administration, invasion of the southern border. People literally from uh, Islamic majority countries who are terrorists or Islamists or jihadists cross our border every day. And the Biden team, they know, they understand who's coming here. People who are drug, uh, drug smugglers, drug cartels, human smugglers, child sex traffickers. This is, our border is just a, it's a, it's a monstrosity. And it's not by accident. It is intended to create the chaos. And so within America, in addition to the chaos intentionally being created by the Biden administration at the border, we have economic chaos looming. We had Biden himself say, yeah, we've got a food shortage impending. People, our farmland hasn't gone away. Our farmers' willingness to work hard and plant food and, and develop food and process it and send it, that hasn't changed. The, the companies that have the capacity, uh, the, the ones who haven't had their facilities destroyed uh, and, and the mass number of fires and other bizarre episodes at food processing plants, there's a vast majority of Americans who just want to have the food supply and basically the supply chain continue functioning. The disruptions at the, of the supply chain are not because Putin invaded the Ukraine. 
there because it's a conscious effort going on globally, going on globally by these leftists who simply want to take down the Western civilization concept of man living in freedom. So where we are right now, collapse of energy. We're seeing skyrocketing. Oh, in fact, I'm going to quick, uh, Emilio, I sent you, I think, two um, uh, graphs that relate to how bad America's economy is right now. Because we're not just talking about abstract or policies. I first one, if you can put up the um, August Consumer Price Index, just look at this. People, this is when people say we're suffering inflation and prices are going crazy. It's not it's not minor and it's not uh, exaggerated. So here we are, uh, food, for example, when you see the word food there, what you're looking at, uh, the first column shows month to month, how high is it? So it's up almost 1% in one month, but the next column over is year to year. It's up over 11%. So food prices have gone up over 11%. Food at home and the groceries gone up 23%. And it goes on and on over a year. Energy prices up almost 14%. Gasoline up 25%, uh, fuel oil up all, almost 70%, electricity up almost 16%. In every category of basic human needs, the prices, it, the, what it costs us to live is being driven up by the policies of this administration. Please understand they are intentionally creating misery. Similar to, similarly, or as an example of why that's happening, if you want to quick put up the chart, chart, if you would, please, Emilio, on how much uh, President Biden has added to the deficit. Please look at this. He's just pouring money out, spending money. His UN speech today, full of more garbage announcing, oh, yeah, we got more all this money. Don't we have just, you know, we're just... Uh, we can rescue the world. We can pay for everything. And that was what my friend was texting me this morning during the Biden speech was saying, he's promising America's going to step up and spend. People, we don't have, it's just funny money. Talk about a pretend being inflicted on us. We don't have the money. So you look at how much Biden has added to the deficit. I mean, it's just simply staggering. The 600, I mean, you could just cry. The $625 billion cost of fiscal year, just 2022 omnibus, largely represents an inflation increase. So we have no interest cost for student debt policies. I can't read the whole thing to you. Understand all they're doing is spending and spending and spending on money we don't have and they can't raise and money they, they, are, it, it, they are printing more money to make it appear that, oh yeah, there's money. Look, we just printed more. But the value of the dollar goes down and down the more money you print, which is what leads to inflation because it takes more money, more dollars that are worthless to buy the same item. I don't want to go much more into, I'm going to have a show sometime soon talking about fiscal policy, but I want to make the point in today's show is this. As you've seen the Biden destruction of the military through uh, pronoun training instead of military training, destruction of the southern border, uh, impossible tyranny under the auspices of COVID, and even after it was unnecessary, continues, even after Biden said that the pandemic is over, then his team had to run. Go, no, he didn't mean to. He's just the president. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm getting at the point. The destruction and the chaos being created in America is intentional. Transportation systems down. Uh, we have, and, and you know, what's going to happen? All of this chaos being created, energy production down due to Biden um, administration orders. We don't have adequate energy. We're energy self-sufficient at the end of the Trump term. But now, under just um, under two years of the Biden administration, we have we have massively increased gas prices. And he sends out tweets and puts up announcements when it goes down five cents, when it's up, you know, just staggering amounts over just a year ago. 
I'm getting to the point, we need to connect the dots and see that the chaos being inflicted on the American society is not coincidence, it's not mistaken, it's not an unseen consequence, it is intentional. And it is intentional to create chaos in this country, to create fear, to create a population who watches everything about our country going down the drain and is clamoring for help. And then the Biden administration can swoop in as every leftist learned ever since life began, swoop in and make the claim, you see, this proves, see, we've now proven it. Free markets don't work. You need government controlled transportation, railway, highway, airports. You, you need government controlled energy production and sale and cost, government controlled everything. The chaos being produced is intended to justify, to legitimize, to legitimize the impending and already planned government control over our society. I'm almost out of time, but I want to hit two more points. I mentioned Christmas because now, because of the recession being so bad, many major uh, entities that lots of people like to go to for their Christmas shopping, non-essential items. We're not talking about food and energy. We're talking about, you know, Christmas gifts, non-essential items, these massive um, big companies where people go for their Christmas shopping, little, you know, fun extra things. Walmart, Target, Macy's and Kohl's are, are all among major retailers recently announced they're doing major cancellations of previously placed orders for goods for Christmas time because they can see the recession's coming, the collapse of our economy is coming, no one's going to be able to have money to buy little Timmy, that pair of skates, whatever it is your kids want, because we'll all be holding on to our dollars, hoping we have enough to pay our energy bills. We are watching an intentional economic takedown of America. And on that point, and before I, I am uh, nearly ready to go off, for, for our radio listeners, by the way, this is Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk. Go to americacanwetalk.org. The last thing I'll touch on, and I'll have to hit it on again next week, uh, but we have Biden's executive order. I talked about it briefly, but it is executive order 14067, signed months ago in March, Executive Order 14067, Section 4, essentially sets up what the Biden administration and every radical leftist has always wanted. It's framed in terms of, oh, we're just going to be creating, you know, a digital currency, a central bank digital currency. We're trying to make life easier, make things flow more smoothly. The Biden administration has already told America that Biden is, is targeted for December of this year. We're moving toward a central bank digital currency, meaning that the government will have control of your money. Let that sink in. Now, if you Google this question, the CBDC, the uh, central bank digital currency, you'll see Snopes and all these left-wing outlets saying, oh no, it's nothing, there's nothing to worry about. This is just, you know, advancing the cause of, you know, digital currency. This is the government, don't worry, they won't hurt us. This is government control over your money. And as the Canadians found out when they tried to participate in or support the truckers' protests related to COVID, the government did have the capacity to freeze their bank accounts. This is, you know, a, a giant step toward the Biden administration and future ones being able to control more and more of you and your freedom by controlling your access to your own money. 
I'll have to talk about it. I'm out of time for today. I'm going to hit on this issue again next week. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we have Christy Hutcherson, our special Thursday show. Christy Hutcherson, founder of Women uh, Fighting for America, WFFA, Women Fighting for America, huge advocate at the border. Uh, she's a great guest. She'll be joining us tomorrow. So do tune in tomorrow. Um, and every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, do come back to the show. I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show today and we were talking about um, the, gotta try to get it up here. Okay, talking about the, um, oh, sorry, uh, the othering and othering murder. North Dakota man uses his vehicle, vehicle to run over and kill an 18 year old and says it's because he was, they had an argument because he's, whether he's a Republican extremist because the 18 year old was part of a Republican extremist group. Absolutely nothing to support claim of extremists. Nothing in the story. And by the way, if this is okay, then I suppose people who want to cause harm to extremists who are part of Antifa, Black Lives Matter, that's supposed to be a justification too. I don't know. Absolutely nothing to support claim of extremists. There is a direct, this is a direct result and predictable outcome of Joe Biden's othering speeches. Biden is publicly accusing all MAGA supporters of being a threat to America. These are unhinged, unstable people who take Biden seriously, and then they act. This was a murder with political disagreement acknowledged as the motive. And the political disagreement was the product of lies from the Biden administration. Such a murder should have no place in America, but the North Dakota GOP AG has yet to file murder charges. The guy claims he was drunk, and maybe he was drunk still. The driver says that Americans must not look away. This is willful, deliberate division and destruction of America caused by the Biden administration. We, the people, must rescue this country from anti-American nihilism and Visa and MasterCard aiding and abetting tyranny. Credit card giants on their own, one with UN urging, moved to issue special credit cards, Visa to track expenditures of Second Amendment merchandise, guns and ammo. MasterCard already has a card that tracks expenditures impacting users' carbon footprint. Purpose to alert credit card users when to stop purchases, you know, like too many carbon emissions. Amazing to behold a company kowtowing to the UN leftist cabal and to the federal and state governments. 24 state attorneys general have cautioned Visa to let legislatures make their own laws, not private companies. Public uproar and the AG's warning may dampen Visa and MasterCard enthusiasm, but the left will keep up pressure and so must we. This fits with a historical concept of fascism, merger of government and corporate interests to enforce national policy and regulation and take away your freedom. Americans must realize what freedom means or it will be lost. Biden cancels Christmas and other economic news. Catastrophic economic data piling up around the world. Housing, food, utilities, gasoline, using, um, using up all income of millions of people. Nothing left for discretionary purchasing like Christmas giving. Big retailers scaling way back in anticipation of collapsing demand this holiday season. Parallels to the 1930s, crisis, chaos, and shortages used to, to promote government takeover, replacement of capitalism with massive increase in government dependence, federal interest rate hikes just adding to the catastrophe. Justification to tamp down consumer demand is delusional pretending. I didn't get to that, but it's a major thing to understand, i.e. consumer demand has collapsed because of government policy. Biden administration marching forward with central bank digital currency, which effectively guarantees the eventual government control of how individuals are allowed to spend their money. 
or whether. The all-out leftist assault on freedom is unmistakable. Americans must wake up and defeat it, or freedom will be lost. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth? about America. Can you hear-